The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to Rewritten with Cynthia Ocelli. Our topic today, 10 sneaky, toxic beliefs that keep my coaching clients awake at night. I'm Cynthia Ocelli, and I want to welcome you to this episode of Rewritten. This week, we're going to discuss the 10 toxic, sneaky, false beliefs that I encounter the most in working with my coaching clients. I have been a coach for over 15 years, and that is really kind of an understatement. I've been a coach all of my life. I just didn't have formal training and hadn't had experience yet. And I know a lot of you identify with that. A lot of the people who are drawn to my work are people who have always been interested in helping themselves live better, be better, be healthier, and helping others live better, be better, and be healthier. And when we get to that point, it's usually because we came from a prior place of being a pleaser, of needing everybody to be well. This world of coaching, uh, counselors, therapists, people who go out and help others, I find over and over again, come from places that they had to grow through, come from places where they were so wrapped up in making their family of origin people, usually their primary caregivers, feel okay. They felt responsible for keeping them at an equal keel, feeling calm and centered because that is the strategy they developed so that they themselves, we ourselves, could be calm and centered. And then we end up developing a life approach of being a people pleaser. On the other side of being a people pleaser is the healed pleaser, the one who can use her gifts in service to the world, in service to others, in service to herself, without also self-betraying, self-harming, draining oneself, being depleted. If you are one of these people who are like magnets for others in trouble, or you yourself can't resist going after others in trouble, that is a sign that you are gifted. You have deep treasures and wonderful contributions to make in this life, to the world, to yourself, to the people you care about. However, in order for you to do that successfully, you have to grow 
through the places that make you feel like you are obligated to do this in order to be okay or to be good enough. For all of us who are people pleasers, for all of us who don't like confrontation, who don't feel settled when others are disappointed in us, that is our growing edge. You want to get to a place where you are comfortable setting the boundaries that support you becoming your highest and greatest expression, the boundaries that protect and promote your mental and physical health, the boundaries that make sure that you get enough sleep, that you have enough time to take care of yourself, that you have the space to advance your goals and to take care of all of the responsibilities in your life in an unapologetic, happy, solid-centered way. This is a growing edge for so many people. I would love for you to just watch yourself over the next week. And are you okay when someone is disappointed? Are you okay? It doesn't mean you're ever going to be happy about disappointing someone. Are you okay when others are dealing with hard times? Can you let them go through those hard times without rushing in there and over caregiving? Are you okay letting others take responsibility for themselves and allowing them to take on the maximum of their capacity? So even with your children, with other people, are you running around and stopping people from having to do things so that you feel like you are worthy of their love, that you are being extra helpful so that you can relax and feel good about yourself? If you notice these things, this is an opportunity for you to ask yourself, what would I do if I were at the top of my priority list? What would I do if I am the one primarily responsible for me becoming my best self, for me achieving the things that I would like to achieve, for me expressing the gifts that creation put inside of me? What would I do? How would I look? What would I have to be okay with allowing others to do perfectly or imperfectly? This is a great exploration, and it's the path you want to travel if you desire to be in one of these helping, healing uh, jobs. I myself have had quite a journey down that path. Uh, Being a parentified child, I felt that the number one thing I could do to take care of myself as a child and to make sure that I had a peaceful, stable, safe environment was to make sure that the people who were responsible for my care and safety were content and happy and unbothered. And I would do just about anything to create that outcome. And that gifted me with the ability to solve problems at a very early age, much younger than uh, my, my contemporaries. And it sort of gave me this relentless, unceasing, tireless energy to do that. And it worked. It was a good strategy at the time. It helped me. Uh, It wasn't the best environment. I don't recommend you do this with your children, but it was a functional strategy at the time. When we grow up and we are in our lives wanting to be the best models for our children, wanting to have the happiest expression, wanting to have time to become all that we came here to be, it is no longer a good coping strategy. It is no longer helping us and supporting us. So then your challenge is to put all of your attention on yourself, 
doesn't mean not be empathetic, not be uh, compassionate, not help where you can without hurting yourself. But that's the key. You do what you can without hurting yourself. And let's be, let's unpack that word hurting, what I mean in this context. Hurting yourself, harming yourself. It doesn't just mean uh, graphic, dramatic, physical or emotional harm. It means that if it's going to stop you from taking good care of yourself, from advancing your goals, from spending time doing the things that really matter to you or being with those who you really want to be with or resting or doing absolutely nothing because that's what you need right now. That's all of those things fall under the umbrella of hurting you in this context. And I want to reassure you, this is a good thing. This is not a selfish, bad thing. I had a radio show, I used to call it self-centered because everyone would get offended like, oh my God, I don't want to be self-centered. There's a beauty in being self-centered. When you are self-centered, you are grounded. You are confident. You are calm. You are taking care of yourself. You are hitting my four pillars. You are eating enough. You are moving enough. You are sleeping enough and you are tending to your inner garden. That's what being self-centered means. And what's amazing is that when you cover those four pillars and you make yourself the number one priority in your life, you actually have more resources, more energy, more positive ideas and impacts on the things that are meaningful to you. So by pulling in tight and taking care of yourself and putting yourself as the top priority, you're actually creating a path for you to be more generous. And that is not the topic of our show this week, (laughs) but I'm really glad I got to say it because I've received a lot of mail yet lately and talked to quite a few people that struggle with setting boundaries. And they they feel like, you know, I I feel like a bad mom. I feel like I'm not being a good friend. I feel like, you know, he's going to leave if I don't show him why I'm worth staying for. And I just want to tell you, You are worth your weight in diamonds. You have a light inside of you that when you dust it off, polish it up by taking good care of yourself, this light will radiate out of you, show you things in your life and in yourself that you haven't seen before, shine and attract other people who also have that light. It will transform your life for you to take care of yourself in an unapologetic and highly self-centered way. All right. Today, I went through recently, because I'm creating this course, Reclaiming Wholeness, and I love this work, and I love this course. And this course is going to create an opportunity for people who financially aren't able to work with me one-on-one. My rates are high. My time I'm not coaching a lot one-on-one anymore. I'm really uh, not taking in a lot of clients because I'm writing a book, I'm doing all these other things, and I'm taking excellent care of myself and the things that are important to me. So this course is my solution to being able to give all of the tools and guidance and content that I do give the most in coaching, that that I confront the most, that I encounter the most. And still have a live component of coaching because I'm going to do uh, regular group coaching calls 
My biggest passion right now is clearing obstacles out of the way and unlocking unexpressed potential in women. And I, of course, I'm, I'm pro men, love men. I have nothing against anyone, but I feel the way that we are socialized and uh, the norms that we grow up under really create a world and a dynamic and an expectation that we are all things to everyone except ourselves. And that makes us feel like there's something wrong with us be, becoming as powerful as we can become, as successful as we can become, as fulfilled, as happy as we can become. And I also know that there is this picture that our culture impresses upon us, upon us of what success is. That superwoman who does everything for everybody and herself and looks great and you know strives to have the uh, classic standard of beauty, the certain type of car, house, dog, kids, everything. And it's such nonsense. Uh, one of the most beautiful things about my work is I get to live vicariously, witness different lives through the eyes of my clients. And what I know for sure is that success is subjective and personal and that it's it very well could have a lot of the things that were that are pushed upon us in it but we each have our own unique mix of what will make us really fulfilled and what's missing from society's picture of success is meaning we thrive when what we're doing has meaning to us and that doesn't mean that your work has to be that thing. Sometimes you work a job that you are good at and that you're content at so that you can fund and subsidize what has deep meaning for you. Uh, in my world, my version of success, just to give you an example of how it, it intersects and, and diverges from the norm, I like freedom. I want to be able to go where I'd like to go within reason. I don't need to, you know, fly a jet around the world with, you know, my butler. I need to be able to get there if that's what I intend to do. I love my dogs. I love to be able to stay at home. I actually don't want to run around and see everything and be in every crowd. That doesn't suit me. I don't want to be high profile and be seen by everyone all the time. I enjoy my privacy. I enjoy intimate conversations and small groups. I really, I can go to the party and have a great time, but then I don't want to go to another one for six or eight months. One of the things that gives me the greatest meaning, one of the reasons I still coach, and one of the reasons that I am constantly endeavoring to create expanded financial freedom is I really, really love supporting and guiding one-on-one -on -one mentoring Kenyan children. I do that for three kids right now. My boyfriend does it for one. Every other week, I mentor a child, not a child, a grown man, but gosh, a grown man who is just starting his, finishing graduate school and starting his, his career as an educator in Kenya. That has tremendous meaning for me. It 
gets me up in the morning. And that is crucial and pivotal to my definition of success. Other people's definition of success, I have clients who they, they're obsessed with animals and elephants, and I can get with that. Like I, I could do that too. Other people, I have a, a wonderful friend who she was a devout observer of a certain type of religion that excluded a lot of people. And she has paved a path to bring those people into the church and to minister to them and to convince others that they are born and created by the same God and that we must love them regardless. And that is amazing. And how much meaning that gives her. She doesn't make money from that. She makes money from her work and she funnels it into this cause that means so much to her. So success is absolutely subjective. Back to my, I'm just going to digress all day today. Today is the day of Venus, you know? Venus is uh, in retrograde right now. And so that means, and so is Mercury. So communication and the feminine way of expression is kind of going in all directions. And we are just going to accept that. My point in explaining my definition of success and my statement about you being bold about being self-centered was to express that a big part of the course I'm creating, Reclaiming Wholeness, supports these outcomes. I'm synthesizing all of the challenges that I've encountered in my clients for the last more than 15 years. So as I synthesized those, I started to see, oh, wow, these 10 things are coming up over and over and over again. And I wanted to do this show today to share them with you and to talk about the sneaky, toxic belief that is behind the limiting belief or the worry or the complaint. And these 10 things are central to what my course is speaking to as well. I invite you to check these 10 things out. If they resonate with you, if you are feeling like, yes, this, this is what I go through, go to my site, CynthiaOcelli.com, get on the wait list for Reclaiming Wholeness. I encourage you to get on the wait list because I'm going to have a limited amount of spots available so that I can actually talk to people more than once in group coaching and that I can be connected enough to keep, there's like a certain number of stories and relationships that I can keep fresh in my mind and pick up with every time we have a subsequent conversation. And I'm not going to go past that number for this group. So CynthiaOcelli.com, get on the wait list. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Now, when someone applies to coach with me in one-on-one coaching, there's an application that they go through. And the reason that I do this is because success in a coaching relationship requires that one, we are a fit 
but two, it requires trust. And I need to build that trust and connection as fast as I can. One of the ways I can do that is by understanding where a person is coming from, what their mindset is, what their background is, what they really want, and what they connect with. So as they go through this questionnaire, it's easy. It's got like, you know, tell me your life satisfaction on a scale of one to 10. And we go through the different categories of life, the different structures in life. Then I ask some questions that really help me cover a lot of ground toward being able to connect and develop a relationship as fast as possible so that we can get to work. One of those questions is, what is your favorite book or books? That's always insightful. What brings you the greatest sense of satisfaction or joy? What programs or resources do you get sustenance from or have you worked with? What worked? What didn't work? And what keeps you awake at night? That question is the one that gives me the most information and helps me come right in and be beneficial and supportive as fast as I possibly can, as fast as I think anyone could. As I'm preparing to launch Reclaiming Wholeness, I'm synthesizing those complaints and realizing, ah, the hours between 2 and 4 a.m., they are witching hours in the sense that they use the word, the term witching hours, that time when you're haunted by negativity. 2 to 4 a.m., just as a bright line rule for you, when you are stressed and you wake up between 2 and 4 a.m. and you're feeling anxiety, you, your thinking is compromised and don't believe everything you think. So when you catch yourself right at the beginning, say, ah, not, not, a, good, not a good place. I'm not going to be able to think with clarity here. My thinking is going to be grossly distorted and negative. I will not believe everything I'm thinking here. And if you can put your mind on something else, great. You will never worry yourself to a solution. Let it go. That time is often a time when instead of letting it go, women start dissecting themselves or they start hyperanalyzing a life problem or, and I caught myself doing this one, they start worrying about something minuscule that in the daytime would be minuscule. I had one of these a few months ago and I had to write it down because it made me laugh the next day. I was up and worried about my dog groomer, my golden doodles groomer. Okay. Cause he gets that long hair and it gets matted and everything. And he has a groomer who's wonderful to him. She's moving away and I'm going to have to find a new groomer. Now talk about first world problems, right? And it's not because I don't know better. I do. I was worrying about that. Now what's really going on there is there's something behind that. That was that I was having anxiety over, and I, I wasn't connected with that. So it was just showing up as something insignificant. And so I needed to take the time to get to what was behind it. And ultimately, I did. And I was able to use a lot of the skills. One of the great things about being a coach is when I'm using my awareness, I'm able to self coach and help myself through these types of challenges. But today, I wanted to cover the 10 sneaky, toxic little beliefs that run around in our minds, that lurk behind our thoughts, lurk in the shadows of our minds, and sabotage us, stop us from taking the actions we need to take 
stop us from making the changes we need to make and also can just make us feel plain rotten and diminished in our capacities. So here they are. I'm going to give you first the worry, how it usually shows up and the belief below it, behind it. Oftentimes, client comes to me, they want to do something. They wake up in the middle of the night and they think, well, I am too old. I'm too fat. I'm not educated enough. I'm too poor. I'm too something to have what I want. That's not true. Oftentimes, people are using judgments from society that are useless and they're holding themselves back. And the underlying sneaky, toxic belief at play is the universal I'm not good enough. I am not acceptable as I am, or I'm bad. A big part of the work I do is I put a bullseye on I'm not good enough, and we create absolute, unwavering, and unconditional acceptance of self. Number two, I'll never have enough money to be financially free. That is a a sneaky, toxic belief in disguise. And the belief is one one of these or all of these. Money is evil. Money is hard to get. I'm not good with money. I'm incompetent with money. When are all of those beliefs are at play and we are telling ourselves I'm never going to have enough money to be okay? Another worry that keeps people up at night? I have too much to do. I can't handle it, but I have to. I don't have a choice. That untruth is covering the sneaky, toxic belief. I don't have the power to change my life or... I don't deserve to change my life. And boy, do I have, boy, do I have some answers for those wrong assertions. Number four, there are no good partners. There are no good partners interested in me. Sneaky toxic belief behind it. I'm not lovable. I am incomplete without a partner. Thank you, society. I will end up alone and miserable or unhappy. All right? The idea I am not lovable is one of the most common, old, underlying beliefs that we carry. It's a belief that we usually develop early in childhood. We could have had unlovable, actually unlovable parents or very lovable parents who didn't meet our need at some time and we drew that conclusion with the capacities that we had and anything in between. I am incomplete without a partner is some nonsense uh, promulgated by an archaic patriarchal society and we have to do the work to dispense with that. You are whole and complete as you are and more than that, no one can complete you. No one can make you more by adding themselves to your lives. To your, it just doesn't work like that. You are whole and complete inherently. And you are that even if you don't know it. And part of the work that's central to the work that I do is for you to actually accept that and become aware of it and know it to be true. I will end up alone and unhappy is a negative 
future, that you are futurizing. It is a negative visualization. It does not have to be true. You could by choice end up alone and very happy. You'd never have to end up alone. There are many things that you can do to create all types of loving, supportive relationships and community. This idea, I will end up alone and unhappy, is a gift from fear. And fear is a thief of joy. Number five, I hear this one a lot. Laying in bed in the middle of the night, rehashing yesterday's conversation or what you did or where you went or something else and saying, I sounded so stupid. I looked like such a fool. Oh my God, why did I say that? Sneaky toxic belief under that. I'm inherently unacceptable. What others think of me defines me. And the universal toxic belief, I'm not good enough. None of it's true. Number six, similar. I'm so mortified that I made a mistake. I am a colossal idiot. So laying in bed, middle of the night, or, you know, middle of the afternoon, self-judging and criticizing. And the sneaky toxic belief behind that. I must be perfect to be good enough. Mistakes and failures are bad. Neither of those are true. Number seven, everything is going to fall apart and I will end up alone with nothing. That's similar to the partner one above. The sneaky toxic belief behind that. I can't take care of myself. I'm not safe. I'm weak. I'm hopeless. Number eight, I can't let go of what I've done. I'm such a bad person. I feel so guilty. Sneaky toxic belief. I do not deserve forgiveness or compassion. Number nine, I am always left out, abandoned, or rejected. No one likes me. Sneaky toxic belief. I'm not worth staying for. I'm unlovable. Others are good, but I'm not good enough. And 10, the 10th most common thing I hear from clients. I can't go on without them, or I can't move on, or I can't let go. Sneaky, toxic belief. I'm not worthy of better. There's nothing better out there for me. None of those are true. The terrible thing about knowing a belief isn't true, but believing it anyway, is that if you accept a limiting belief, then it will become a truth for you. And that's a quote by Louise Hay. So a lot of the work I do is to help you shine light on sneaky, toxic beliefs, because what you see, you can change. And that is the first step. So pulling them out into the light of day opens the way to do the work, to rewrite that belief, to dispense with that belief. Most beliefs are old. They were created by your mind before you had the brain development required to make sound conclusions. So instead of seeing that the people around you were living their own dramas and much of the events that you endured had little to do with you as an individual, you thought you were the cause of those unwanted outcomes. Here's something to free you and kind of take all that tense energy and power away from beliefs. A belief is only a thought repeated over and over again. 
So I wrote an article about everything I've just talked about. I listed the 10 beliefs and then I listed 10 tools and ways that I approach changing those beliefs. I'm out of time here, but I have all 10 available for you. You can go to my site, CynthiaOcelli.com. Under blog, there is a post. The post is titled 10 Sneaky Beliefs That Keep My Life Coaching Clients Up at Night. You click that post, go to the bottom. There are 10 of the ways that I approach changing sneaky toxic beliefs. And I added the mantra that I have repeated to myself for 21 years at the bottom of that post. CynthiaOcelli.com, blog, 10 sneaky beliefs that keep my life coaching clients up at night. I want to thank you for joining me this week. I hope you were able to follow along the circuitous route that we took to get here. I invite you to sign up for advanced notice of Reclaiming Wholeness. I'm excited for the opportunity to connect with a group again and to make some meaningful changes in your lives so that you can make meaningful change in the world. Have a beautiful week. Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.